Our message series is called Foundations of Marriage. And uh, we're taking some time uh, uh, these weeks to uh, look at this uh, vitally important subject of marriage. And uh, just by way of review, in, in week one of the series, two weeks ago, we, we looked at the founding of marriage. And uh, we looked at Jesus' words about marriage in Matthew 19. We saw how Jesus told us to go back to the beginning, back to the book of Genesis. And, and through Jesus' words and, and the, what we find in Genesis 1 and 2, we were able to formulate the following biblical definition of marriage. Uh, marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman based on a public vow of lifetime faithfulness. And so that, mar- that definition comes directly from the scriptures, from Jesus' words in Matthew 19, from the book of Genesis. That was week one. Week two, we looked at the theology of marriage. This was just last week. What does God have to do with marriage? What does marriage have to do with God? And we saw that God designed marriage as a picture of himself. We saw that marriage is a picture of God as Trinity, that marriage is a picture of God and his people that marriage is a picture of Christ and his church. So we've looked at the founding of marriage. We've looked at the theology of marriage. Now today, uh, we look at the challenges to marriage. The challenges to marriage. Notice we're not talking about the challenges of marriage, okay, or challenges in marriage. There's lots of those, right? And we talk about those uh, at other times. Uh, but today we're focusing on the challenges to marriage, those things that challenge marriage from the outside, those things that challenge the very foundations and definition of marriage as given to us by God in Scripture. So we're going to start today in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 4. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Marriage should be honored by all, And the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. This is the Word of God. Please join me in prayer. Lord, we uh, lift up uh, this Word to you today, this message. Lord, it's a hard message. It's a a challenging message. And uh, Lord, we, we have all failed in so many ways in this these areas of marriage. And so, Lord, we just, right up front, we just confess our sins and failures to you. And uh, and we affirm, Lord, that you are the God of grace and kindness and forgiveness. And, Lord, we can find forgiveness for all of our past uh, in Jesus. What glory, what grace. Lord, help us to uh, hear your word this morning. It's a hard word for us to hear. Help us to hear, listen, obey, and receive the good things that you have for us today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Well, the first thing, okay, the first thing we need to establish before we look at any of these challenges uh, to marriage today is that marriage and sexuality are good gifts of God. Marriage and sexuality are good gifts of God. In fact, that's the first part of our biblical definition, definition, wasn't it? Marriage was created by God. It's good. These are good gifts. We find it all over the scriptures. Proverbs 18, 22 says, He who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. Works the other way around. Well, you know, women, when you receive a husband, that's a good thing too. Proverbs 5, we read from these verses earlier in the service. May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe 
a graceful deer. May her breasts satisfy you always. May you ever be captivated by her love. In fact, there's, there's an entire book of the Bible, right, that's devoted just to this topic of marriage and sexual love and marriage. The Song of Solomon, eight chapters long. That's how important this is. It was God who created man, male and female. It was God who saw that it was not good for the man to be alone. It was God who brought the woman to him and united them in marriage. God is not embarrassed by marriage or sex because marriage and sex are God's idea. He created them, and the Bible celebrates them. Marriage and sexuality are good gifts of God. And it's important that we start there because whenever we talk about these challenges to marriage, it seems people always come back and, and they, they, they start accusing God or the church or, or Christianity. You know, it's just saying, oh, you just want to interfere uh, with people's lives or you're just trying to take all of our fun away. And whenever I hear someone say that, I just always want to say, time out, okay? This, marriage, this, this is God's idea, Right? Marriage and sex, these are God's ideas. God wants you to have a fulfilling and intimate relationship with your spouse. God's not trying to take away anyone's fun. He's trying to protect you from those things that will hurt you and that will damage your relationships with others. And these challenges, all these challenges we're going to talk about today, they all came after marriage, right? They came afterwards. Marriage came first. And these challenges are all specific ways that our culture keeps chipping away, chipping away at the foundations of marriage. We looked at Hebrews 13, it says marriage should be honored by all. And so as Christians who love God and who love people, we need to speak up about those things that dishonor God's good gift of marriage. So what are these challenges uh, to marriage that we face today? We're going to look at five of them this morning. Uh, I really encourage you to take out the outline that's in your worship guide because you know, we've got five points this morning that will help you to follow along and a place to maybe jot down some notes as well. We're going to look at the challenge of premarital sex, the challenge of homosexuality, the challenge of living together, the challenge of divorce, and the challenge of adultery. And you're going, whoa, 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 this is all one message, right? Yeah, all one message. I told you, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. So fasten your seatbelts and be ready to hear uh, God speak His Word to you today. And we're going to see that each one of these challenges presents a very specific challenge to one part of the biblical definition of marriage. There are five parts to the biblical definition of marriage. Each of these challenges attacks the definition of marriage at one part each. And you'll see that as we work our way through. So let's get started. First one is the challenge of premarital sex. And if you go back to that definition of marriage, it's printed on the top of your outline, you can see that having sex before marriage is a challenge to the first part of our definition. God created marriage as a sacred covenant relationship. Now, that word sacred simply means something that has been set apart for a purpose. Sex is sacred because God has set apart the sexual relationship for marriage and only for marriage. And when God says that the marriage bed 
should be kept pure. He is specifically talking there about the sexual relationship within marriage. So in marriage, the sexual relationship is what? It is pure. It is holy. It is good. But sexual relations outside of marriage are displeasing to God. In 1 Thessalonians 4, uh, we read a list of things that are pleasing or displeasing to God. Paul says this, Finally, brothers, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. I hope that's all of us this morning. We all want to please God, right? We don't want to displease Him. How to live in order to please God. You know what instructions we gave you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honorable. So Paul's giving us instructions. This is how you do it. This is how you live if you want to please God. And one of his primary instructions is to avoid sexual immorality. And the word that's translated sexual immorality here, it's a very general word in the original language, simply means this. Any, any sexual activity outside of marriage. What's Paul saying? You cannot engage in sexual relations outside of marriage and please God. You can't do it. It's one or the other. Take your choice. Now, of course, this is a huge challenge to marriage in our culture today, right? Sex before marriage is not only accepted by our culture. Worse than that, it is expected, right? It's expected nowadays. The ones who wait for marriage, they're seen as the strange ones, right? They're seen as old-fashioned or out of step with the times. But the truth is that those who do not wait for marriage are the ones who are out of step. Out of step with God's Word and His will for their lives. And by removing sex from the context of marriage, we have birthed a culture of broken relationships, debilitating diseases, and thousands upon thousands of children born into the world without a stable father and mother to take care of them. You see, sex in marriage is like, it's like a fire in the fireplace. Isn't that such a beautiful... I know we're South Florida, right? But I come from New England. You know, on a cold winter's night, you've got a fire in the fireplace, and it's beautiful. There's warmth, there's comfort, there's safety, there's stability. But if that fire gets out of the fireplace and starts burning, now we've got trouble, right? When you take the fire out of the fireplace, it causes untold damage and hurt. It's the same thing when you take sex outside of marriage. Why is premarital sex wrong? Because it is a challenge to marriage as a sacred covenant relationship. It removes sex from the marriage relationship where it belongs. Okay, that was just one challenge, okay? Hang in there with me, guys. We're moving forward. Challenge number two. Second challenge to marriage in today's world is the challenge of homosexuality. And homosexuality challenges marriage in the second part of our definition, right? Marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship, we looked at that, between a man and a woman. When Jesus was asked about marriage, what did he do? He pointed his listeners back to the beginning, back to creation when God first created man. Haven't you read, he replied, that at the beginning the creator 
made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. Jesus says the reason, the reason why God created us male and female was for what? For marriage. The creator made the male and female and Jesus says for this reason. The man will be united to his wife. God created the male and female for the reason of marriage. Now, there are a lot of questions, okay, about homosexuality today, and then especially as it relates to marriage. Our culture is confused on this issue. Uh, The church, churches seem to be confused on this issue as well. In fact, it is such an important discussion uh, that we will devote an entire message to it next week. Okay? Uh, Next week we will explore a Christian response to homosexuality. And I encourage you to be here for next week's message. I encourage you to bring a friend. And I promise you that I will uh, present this subject lovingly, delicately, and respectfully. And give you good biblical tools for understanding how do I do it? How do I, how do I relate? How do I respond to my homosexual friends and, and co-workers and, and family members? How do, how do I reach out to them with the love and care of Jesus Christ? So that's next week, challenge number two. A third challenge to marriage in today's world is the challenge of cohabitation or living together. And now living together... Uh, challenges marriage now in the third part of the definition. We're just working our way forward through the definition. Marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman, number three, based on a public vow. You see, marriage is not a private agreement between two people. Marriage is a public legal relationship that takes place within the community. Even the first marriage of Adam and Eve was witnessed and sanctioned by God, who was the only public around at the time. And once again, what does Hebrews 13:4 say? Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Living together dishonors marriage and dishonors the marriage bed. Why? Because living together tries to enjoy the benefits of marriage while avoiding the commitment of marriage. And the reason I say tries to do that is because that that commitment part of marriage, that really is the major benefit of marriage. It is the security of commitment which allows a relationship to grow in intimacy and depth. Living together can never provide the stability and security that marriage provides because it lacks the commitment which is necessary for the relationship to reach its full potential. And sadly, just like premarital sex, living together not only accepted in today's culture, but it's almost expected, right? It's like, what, you didn't live together before you got married? That's the way the culture views it. Many people view it as a necessary step on the way to marriage. Others live together out of convenience or for financial reasons. 
many seniors. Many seniors live together to avoid issues with merging their estates. Some people who live together think they are married in God's sight. But without that public vow of commitment, it is not a marriage. Some people think that living together before marriage will will make things better, will increase their chances for, for marital success, but the statistics show otherwise, and they have for years, for decades now. Let me share some of them with you. More than 8 out of 10 couples who live together, okay, that 80%, okay, more than 8 out of 10 couples who live together will break up either before the wedding or afterwards in divorce. About 45% of those who begin cohabiting do not marry. Another 5 to 10% continue living together and do not marry. Couples who do marry after living together are 50% more likely to divorce than those who did not. Only 12% of couples who began the relationship living together ended up with a marriage lasting 10 years or more. Statistically speaking, living together is not a trial of marriage, but rather a training for divorce. And the statistics relating to the children of people who live together are even more heartbreaking. Children of cohabiting parents are 10 times more likely to be sexually abused by a step-parent than by a parent. Children of cohabiting parents are three times as likely to be expelled from school or to get pregnant as teenagers than children from an intact home with married parents. Children of cohabiting parents are five times more apt to live in poverty and 22 times more likely to be incarcerated. Living together is a huge challenge to marriage and family in our culture. And as Christians, we we need to heed God's word. Marriage should be honored by all. The marriage bed kept pure. Marriage was created by God as a sacred covenant relationship between a man and a woman based on a public vow. And Christians, we need to do better. We need to do better with this. Now, that public vow leads us to our final two challenges because there are two parts to the marriage vow. There's the vow of lifetime commitment and the vow of sexual faithfulness. And so the last two challenges we look at this morning are divorce and adultery. Uh, They're both challenges uh, to this vow because each one breaks one of those two parts of the marriage vow. We'll go to divorce first. Divorce is a challenge to marriage as a lifetime commitment commitment. Jesus said in Matthew 5, it has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce, piece of paper. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for marital unfaithfulness, causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. What Jesus is saying here is this, he says that certificate of divorce, that, that piece of paper, that where the state says you're not married anymore? Divorce on paper is not necessarily divorce in heaven. It's not necessarily divorce in God's eyes. You see, when two people get married, they are not joined together by the state. They are joined together by God. That's what Jesus said, Matthew 19. What God has joined together, let man not separate. 
And so just because you go through a divorce proceeding does not necessarily mean that you are now unmarried in God's sight. That's why Jesus says if either one remarries following the divorce, uh, they've committed adultery. Why? Because they're still married in God's eyes. And now entering into that new marriage is an act of adultery against the former spouse. Now, the Bible does allow for divorce in cases of adultery, but even then, a couple should always first seek to work towards forgiveness and reconciliation. Because why? We saw last week, marriage is a picture of God and His people, of Christ and His church. You see, too many people enter marriage with the thought, you know, if it doesn't work out, you know, if it doesn't work out, we can always get a divorce. And we need to enter marriage with a very different mindset. We need to enter with the mindset that says divorce is not an option. So if it's not working, then we need to work it. Work it out. We'll get past the problems. We will make it work. Too many marriages end simply because the couple is not willing to work out their problems together. They think that divorce is the easy route. Let me assure you, divorce is never easy. And once again, there there are no perfect marriages. I get it. Some of us have have serious problems in our marriages, really difficult things that we're going through. And let me say this. If you or your children are in an abusive situation, then you need to get out of that situation immediately. You need to remove yourself from that situation. We'll be glad to help you with that if you're having trouble with that. But there's a lot of hurt and emotional suffering that takes place when a marriage goes off track. But I firmly believe when two people, when two people choose to put Christ first in their marriage and work out those problems under Christ's care, there is no need for divorce. God is so much bigger than that. But it takes both of you, right? It takes both of you working together, both of you putting Christ first, both of you putting each other before yourselves in order for that to happen. Jesus said, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Divorce is a challenge to the lifetime faithfulness, uh, the lifetime part of the marriage vow. Lifetime. Marriage is based on a vow of lifetime faithfulness. Now that faithfulness brings us to our fifth And final challenge to marriage this morning. The challenge of adultery. Remember, two parts to the marriage vow. Lifetime commitment. Sexual faithfulness. Adultery is a challenge to the sexual faithfulness vow of marriage. The command against adultery goes way back. One of the Ten Commandments, right? Adultery strikes at the very heart of the marriage vow between husband and and wife. It is such a serious breach that even God says following adultery, divorce is allowed. And that should be enough to give pause to anyone contemplating an adulterous affair. Sadly, adultery is rampant in our culture. It starts innocent, right? You strike up a conversation with someone at work or at the gym or on Facebook. Maybe things aren't quite right at home, and it's just nice to have a person to talk to. And then slowly, you get drawn into the relationship. 
So you need to guard your boundaries carefully. You need to make sure that you keep the fire burning at home. Adultery looks tempting on the outside, but it will destroy your marriage and your family, and it will have a lasting negative impact on your children and your grandchildren. So where do you draw the line? As you guard your boundaries, where do you draw the line? Jesus said this, Matthew 5, he said, You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Listen to what I'm going to say next very carefully. No one ever committed physical adultery without first committing adultery in their heart. Never happened. No one ever commits physical adultery without going there in their heart or mind first. So where do you draw the line when you're keeping your boundaries? That's where you draw it. You draw it in your heart and in your mind. You guard your heart. You guard your mind. When your mind goes there, you bring it back. And you confess it as sin before God and you commit to finding sexual satisfaction with your spouse and with your spouse alone. Adultery is a challenge to sexual faithfulness in marriage. Now once again, if we stop there, if I say, close your Bibles, let's pray. It's like, oh, (laughs) that's hard, isn't it? We'd all walk out of here discouraged, beat down, defeated. Why? Because we've all fallen so far short of God's standards in these areas. I know I have. I've fallen so short. We all have. But you've got to remember, that's why Jesus came, right? That's why Jesus came. That's why Jesus died on the cross for us. The Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And Jesus offers you forgiveness. He offers you cleansing from all of your sins. You just need to come to him in faith. You confess your sin to him and receive his forgiveness. It's like we said at the beginning of the message today. Marriage and sexuality, these these are good gifts of God. Marriage and sex are God's ideas. And when we follow God's plan, they work for our benefit. Praise God. But unfortunately, our culture has largely abandoned God's plan. And so we face these five challenges to marriage. There's so much confusion about marriage in our world. And as a church, as a church, all of us, we have an important responsibility to teach God's truth on this matter, to show God's way. And so I pray for all of us here today that you will take these messages to heart, all four messages in this series, that you will seek to live out God's standards. Confess your sin when you fall. Receive God's forgiveness. Commit to faithfulness once again. And that you will help share these truths with the people God has placed in your lives. Because a lot of people don't know this. They've never heard God's plan. They're just stumbling around in the darkness of this culture, just doing what the culture says. They don't know God's best for them. And so love them. 
care for them. Share God's love and truth with them so that God can do His work in their lives. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, it's a, it's a challenging word that you have presented us with this morning. Lord, we confess our failings and our sins. We're so sorry. We're so sorry that we have not presented a better picture to the world uh, of your good design of marriage. So, Lord, help us to do better. Lord, help us to, first of all, to submit to you and to your word, and then to commit ourselves to living out these principles you've given us in your word, and then to lovingly share your truth and grace with those around us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.